All right, Erev Tov, good evening. We are in Masechet Berachot. And they're about to finally get our feet wet with some more Agadita-like information. So until now, what we've done, aside from establishing numerous Hagdamot, making sure we understand how Agada works, we've really gone through the first Mishnah the way it properly should be understood, with different explanations and different commentaries and different understandings, and making sure that we know this Mishnah well. For those of you who are joining me today and you don't know the Mishnah well, it's a mistake. Go back, review the Mishnah. There's no way that I can build a building on top of something you don't know. So if you're listening live, quickly open up your Masech Berachot and read the first Mishnah. If you're with us and joining us on YouTube or a podcast or whatever it is, pause, listen to the Shi'u right before this one. It's a summary of everything that we have studied on this Mishnah. And it's very important to know that well in order to appreciate uh, what it is that we will be studying together tonight. Everything that we've done now in the Mishnah has been standard. What do I mean by standard? Standard means that it's what you would expect in any shiur of Gemarad you would go to, any shiur in Mishnayot you would go to. You study the Mishnah, you study the, the commentaries, the major commentaries, other opinions. So far, nothing that we have done really sounds groundbreaking or earth-shattering uh, like we explained Agada would be. Uh, do you guys agree with me on that? Don't worry, I'm not offended. Yes, okay. So tonight, that's all going to change. And the question of how fast it's going to change is really going to depend on you. If you recall, at the end of our shiur, um, from Harav Kuk's introduction to Inayat, to his commentary on Masechim Barachot and Shabbat, Rav Kuk said that when we study Agadah, we must be willing to accept all kinds of ideas and all kinds of messages, even from camps, even from places that we normally don't study from. And I think that that's going to be very relevant. For those who came to the shiul thinking it's going to be a one type of shiul, one track of shiul, we're going to entertain all kinds of ideas and all kinds of notions from all kinds of chachamim in different places. And Bezat Hashem, if you bear with me, the one thing that is certain is you can walk away with wisdom from any one of these teachings. The wisdom of our chachamim, as they use the piece of Talmud as a springboard, for ideas they wish to share with us. And as we mentioned earlier, these are all ideas of Agadah. And the difference between Agadah and Halakha is a few things, but first and foremost, Halakha must be very precise and very accurate. There's no room for opinion, there's no room for error. You can't just say an opinion and, oh, that sounds good to me and Shalom Israel. But when it comes to Agadah, Agadah is a lot more fluid. It's a lot more flexible. You have more room to share ideas because there's no consequence, chaz shalom, aside from disbelief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu or, or rejection of the Torah itself. But within the realm of belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and acceptance of the Torah from Sinai, really the ideas of Agadam are, are very flexible and very fluid. I think the second thing that separates Halakha from Agadam is that we don't have to accept everything that is said in Agadam. Like our Geonim taught us, Things that make sense, things that we can understand, we accept. And the things that we don't, we don't. There's no harm done in studying it, even if it's something that we're not sure that sits well with us. And so I'm going to ask for all of you, for your patience, as we entertain different ideas of chokhmah, of wisdom, that come from different sources and different places, this is most definitely not a homogenous group of chachamim. And uh, we'll do them together and see where we go from there. 
So how quickly do you want to jump into the deep end of Agada? How quickly? Tell me. Are you ready for deep diving or you want to just start in the in the shallow area? Oh, Baruch says deep diving. Who's with Baruch? Nobody else wants to swim with you, Baruch. Okay, so let's start. Let's start in the world of Agada. I sent you a PDF, a PDF from the writings of the Ben Yehoyada. Ben Yehoyada is the name of one of the commentaries of the Ben Yishchai on the Talmud. In particular, this series of Ben Yehoyada is focused on Agada, less on Halakha, less on the way the Talmud works, and more on ideas of Agada particularly as he views them through the lens of Kabbalah. And my opinions on Kabbalah for, against, neutral, not relevant right now, when it comes to learning things that, like I told you, are not binding on you and are ideas that you can either appreciate and accept or just walk right by them and, and enjoy where they came from. So let's open up the PDF of the Ben Yishchayil. Ben Yishchayil, Ben Yishchayil, Benayahu, all of these books of the Ben Ishchai come from the fact that Ben Ishchai believed, as he was a Kabbalist, that he was a reincarnation of this biblical figure. And because of that, he named all of his books after this person. If you'd like to know more about that, you're welcome to search in your Tanakh about Ben Yehoyada. Let's go to page one. Page one is, actually, I don't know what page one is by you. I'm calculating that you should be on page three of the PDF. It should say on the top, Perek uh, Aleph, and then Masech Brachot in the middle of the page. It should look like this. Yes? Okay. The Ben Chai writes this. This spells out the name Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. Like many Chachamim who came before him, the Ben Yishchai chooses these four letters to start off his book. The Chachamim study and the wise ones, the, the bright ones ask, Why do we call the first Masechta? Masechet in Hebrew, Masechta in Aramaic. Why do we call the first Masechta of the Talmud Brachot? Now, what's the obvious answer to that? Why is it called Brachot? It talks about Brachot, all kinds of Brachot. From the Brachot of Shema, to Brachot of Tfilah, to Brachot on foods, to Brachot on all kinds of things. This Masechet Brachot makes sense. It's all about Brachot, it's all about blessings. That's the obvious answer for why it's called Brachot. When the Ben Chai says this, Yidreshu ha-chachamim v'yishalu ha-nevonim. Yidreshu, Yidreshu is, is a deeper search. What else? What else could there be to the word berachot aside from the fact that it talks about blessings? V'yishalu ha-nevonim, the, the bright ones ask, not the simple ones, the bright ones ask this question. V'nirali b'siyata d'shmaya. V'nirali, it appears to me b'siyata d'shmaya, with Hashem's help. Tam bazet, there's a reason to this. And now he's going to go, and if I counted correctly, he's going to give us four reasons. 
And these are all dedicated to my father, who is the hater of gematriot. He should live and be well. Uh, you know, gematria is a very interesting thing. Our Chachamim tell us that gematria, the numerical value, you know, for those who may be joining us new, Aleph is one, Bet is two, Gimel is three, so and you combine those all together, so you'll get different numbers. And then people play with gematriot. This one is the gematria of that, this is the gematria of the next one. Most of the time you go to someone's home, they, tell, they ask you for a Dvar Torah on the Parashat HaShavua, they're expecting some gematria. And normally gematria goes like this. The gematria says, you know, you heard about the golden calf in the desert, but calf in gematria is really horse, and gold in gematria is really silver. And if you flip it upside down, you look in a mirror, you count the first letter and the last letter, it comes out that really it was a silver horse the Jewish people were riding on in the desert. Nothing to do with the golden calf that they were worshipping. Normally that's how absurd gematriot sound. Gematria, our Chachamim tell us, is parperaot lechokmah. It's a, it's a, parperaot. Uh, Give me a good English word for parperaot. Right, a topping, a dessert, very good. It's a decoration. It's a, it's a nice, you know, you know the reason why this masechet is called berachot. That's the reason it's called berachot. If we're going to give you now a gematria, it's a parperaot lechokhmah. It's, it's a little uh, dessert on top. You can't prove something from a gematria. You can't prove something from there. I'm not embarrassed to tell you. Somebody once came to me and told me, and I'm not going to say, that the gematria of the number 770, don't tell me anything. The gematria of 770 is the gematria Bet Mashiach, the house of the Mashiach. See, that means whatever you want it to mean. You can't prove something for gematria. 770 is also the gematria of chamor below dat, a donkey who has no brains. So now that's the gematria you want to go with? Gematria is, is a, uh, it's a tool. It's a tool utilized to drive points home. You can't build your whole meal out of toppings. You can't make your whole meal out of dips of the challah if there's no challah. You can't eat, a, I mean, some people can, but you shouldn't eat a whole meal of dessert. It's not good for you, and it's not the way you're supposed to act. We know why it's called Masechet Berachot. Now all we have to figure out is, is there something else we can learn from this word Berachot? That's what the Ben Chai is trying to do right now. Don't for one moment think the Ben Chai thinks this is the reason. These are Parperaot. And remember that every time a Gamatria comes up, that's the notion, that's the idea behind it. The word berachot includes the letters bo keter. There is a crown in it. That the shas, the shishas, the mishnah, the six orders of the mishnah, are a commentary on the 613 biblical Torah commandments. Vesheva mitzvot darabanan. And the seven mitzvot darabanan, what's 613 plus seven? 620, very good. That comes out to the gematria of keter. Keter is six crown, is 620. Bo keter, included in the Talmud is the commentary on the 613 mitzvot and the seven uh, of the Torah and the seven rabbinic mitzvot. Idea number one behind Berachot. This book of the Mishnah and the Talmud includes in it everything you need to know about the Torah. Gam Berachot, the word Berachot itself, Ole Mispar Bechokhma Uvina Vadat. 
it comes out in the Gematriyana, he puts here in brackets, he said, Im HaKolel. Im HaKolel is another trick. It's a trick of counting numbers and letters differently than how you should count numbers or letters differently. It's like when they tell you that in you're not allowed to eat nuts. Why? Because nuts, it goes, is Gematria Chet. It's a sin, but it's not. It's not the same gematria. Minus one, plus one, who's counting? Well, if you're going to prohibit me from eating something on Rosh you better give me a good reason that makes sense. So, with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, that in order to understand the Torah, the oral law, you need a tremendous amount of chokhmah binavadat. That you're unable to approach the Torah with stupidity. You cannot approach the Torah with shallow thoughts. When you study the Talmud, you're obligated to come with chokhmah, bina, vadat. All of your intellectual capacities have to be working and on. So that's reason number two. The first, because it has in it the explanation, the crown. We're on the Beni Shchai, the Beni Hoyada that I sent out. It's a PDF. It's the crown that explains all the 620 mitzvot. The second, that it requires your intellectual capacities to be working in order to understand the Talmud properly. Next. Gam berachot mispar shem hazikaron. Berachot is also the gematria of the name of HaKadosh Baruch that's connected to remembering things. You need the help of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, if you are a Kabbalist, especially in this particular name of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, who will help you to not forget the Torah that you study. If you remember, throughout the Talmud, there are tremendous, I mean, not positive things, said about people who forget their learning. To learn Torah is an incredible thing. To forget your Torah is a terrible, terrible thing. And it can happen to anybody. Shanu chachamim, shanu chachamim, shanu chachamim. Our rabbis learn, really it means our rabbis repeated, our rabbis repeated, our rabbis did everything they could to not forget the wisdom that they acquired. Why would you study something and then never review it again? When we study here something on Monday or Tuesday, the whole week those things are stuck in my head. I'm trying to figure out, did I say something right? Did I say something wrong? The next time I talk to Arab Peretz, can I ask him of what we studied? Maybe one of you asked the question. I need an answer to it. It has to become part of what you do. You need zikaron. Berachot. You're about to embark into the sea of the Talmud. You need all the help of memory that you can get to remember things. What happens when you know Torah Shabbat Beh? You know the oral law. You study the oral law. The next step that happens we will ultimately reach levels of greatness. That's gates of greatness is the same as meaning through your study of Torah you will acquire greatness. There's a song we sing by a baby boy's Brit Mila. You remember which song I'm talking about? Yehi shalom bechedenu, yehi shalom bechedenu, veshalva b'Yisrael. You know, we have a song we sing by the Brit Milah. There's one uh, line in that song 
that we bless the baby and we say, Shemo that his name should go out to the whole world. He should become famous. I saw in a book by Hava Peretz's brother, Rabbi Michael Peretz from Mexico, who I don't know, I just have a number of books of his. I saw once that he wrote in the back of his book, why would we pray for a baby to be famous? To be healthy, we understand. To be tamikacham, we understand. To be uh, maybe to uh, hell, uh, well and wealthy, uh, fine, we understand. But to be famous, is there Jewish value in being famous? Not necessarily. Not that I can think of. Yafemo, Zev said correctly. We're blessing him. Which kind of fame are we blessing? That he should be a tamikacham, and the type of tamikacham that will become famous enough to spread his teachings all over the world. And so it's a short, we don't need you to be famous for being a, a con artist or famous for being a, a, con, a con man or a tax evader or whatever else you might need to be. We want you to be famous for being a Tamil Chacham. What else are we praying for? I mean, this is a way in saying he should be famous as a Tamil Chacham. Yeah. Remember that very clearly for our Chachamim that come from the camp of the Rambam, that Chochmah includes in it all of that wisdom. So when we say a Tamil Chacham, a Tamil Chacham who's an ignoramus in the way the world works, or in, in the sciences, or in the, anything about the world, geography, history, he's, he's not a Chacham, he can't be a Chacham. So we're, that's very, that's true. But, uh, my brother, Shadavim be Wells, finished, finished med school, I don't know exactly what he's up to. And once he had a rabbi who tried to convince him not to go to medical school. It's a waste of his talents. Imagine how much good he could do for Klai Yisrael sitting in a yeshiva. I said, listen, if, if that was his dream, fine, but his dream is to be a doctor. So I approached the rabbi and I said, you may think there's only one way to sanctify Gadosh Baruch name in the world. But can you imagine what happens when somebody comes from a surgery, somebody goes to a lecture, someone goes to have a professional, he comes in with a kippah, he puts on tefillin in the morning, he only eats kasher food, he says, Baruch Hashem, when he speaks to people, can you imagine what kind of Kiddush Hashem that does greater than what I can do in the walls of the Bet Midrash? He can do for the whole world. Why do you have such a narrow understanding of how a person can bring a Kadosh Baruch to the whole world? It's a problem we're plagued with right now. By the way, if the, if the, I don't wanna, if the Orthodox community had its way and everybody just stayed in Yeshiva and nobody ever did anything else, and they, let's say they got rid of all the people in Israel that they don't want, so who would run the country? Who would be the lawyers, the doctors, who would be the I mean, politicians, maybe they have enough. Who would be the soldiers, who would be the, who would be all the, 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 the garbage truck driver, the insurance salesman, who would be all these people? You just have a bunch of people learning yeshiva all day. It's a, it's a, it's a worldview, not just narrow, but it's not, it's not, it's not sustainable. Something to think about. The last thing that Ben Ishchai mentions is gam berachot, the word berachot is also rochev taf. Somebody who rides on 400. Those who study Torah merits to 400 worlds. This is above my pay grade. I'm barely trying to figure out the one world that I'm a part of right now. But according to the Mekubalim, there are 400 worlds for the people who study Torah. Whatever that means, it's also alluded to in the word berachot. This is a classic case of the Benishchai taking something that we know why Masechet Berachot is called Berachot, but he gives us ideas here. So to summarize, the first idea 
this Torah, this oral law, is a keter. It's the crown of the Jewish people that explains everything we need to know in Torah. Second, that this Torah, what do we say? This Torah requires our intellectual capacities to be working. My father used to always tell me there's no mitzvah to be stupid. There's no mitzvah to be stupid. I live like that. Uh, when I came to Israel and I studied by Harav Shlomo Katzin, should live and be well. I was once sitting in his office, it was a Friday morning, and somebody came to his, to his office to ask him a question about Jews and Judaism and something. You know, Rav Katzin is a very outspoken individual. He doesn't mince words. Uh, he also doesn't care what you think about what he's going to say. And he said something to the, along the lines of, do you know why the Jewish people are stupid? Because they believe in a stupid God and that's why their Judaism is stupid. Is that the meaning? The Judaism that they are involved in lacks any kind of, of rigor, any kind of deep thought, any kind of true study. It's all pop Torah, if I could borrow a term. It's not real. And so Torah, when you want to really understand Torah, you have to truly delve into it with everything that you have. We talk a lot about why Talmudic Hamim are, are, are tired. Birkei Rabbanan Deshalhe, we say in Sedichot. Birkei Rabbanan Akoshlot, the stumbling knees of the Chachamim. Because it's an intellectual work, is really hard. If anyone has ever tried to study anything, you're not moving out of your chair, but your head is it's working. It makes your body tired. Limut Torah is the same way. The third... You need memory to remember the things that you study. There's no point in studying if everything you study you forget. So to pray that Kadosh Baruch Hashem may I remember the things. Not just may I be able to study, but may I be able to retain information. And uh, the next one to reach greatness, and last but not least, the kind of greatness that allows you to get to all kinds of universes and worlds that I'm not familiar with. Tov, that was the Ben Yehoyada for us as to why Masechet Berachot is called Berachot. What do you think? Yeah? Yeah, let's keep moving. I believe for... What you said about forgetting. Oh, I should turn my camera on. Okay. I, I find it interesting what you said about forgetting. So my brother used to say that forgetting is the great equalizer. Like forgetting your learning. Because the greatest chacham could have learned something, but then forgotten it. But some schmo in the back of the room could remember. So it goes to show you the importance of like trying to review and to stay humble about how much you know and how much you don't know. And you know, it's it's something we shouldn't take for granted because you know, Rachmanel Sun, there are people who forget their learning. There are people who grow old and you know they their their cognitive function declines. There's people who have a stroke. There's people who get sick, you know, and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's like a, it's a humbling thing that our, our, our spirits are so noble and so great, but our bodies are organic. We still have the ability to forget, but the great equalizer is a good point, and it doesn't take away from that. Ultimately, people will forget. We're human beings. We will forget things. Uh, that doesn't mean, though, that we should strive to forget them. Yeah. Yitzchak, can I bother you? The wire, I forgot. Uh, for the phone. Thank you.
influence. It's all brain stuff and doesn't change them at all. And we see, unfortunately, we see this too much all over the place of wisdom that didn't make anyone wiser. Made them more knowledgeable, but wiser, not better, not... That's right. I saw a t-shirt this week. It said, am I perfect? No. Am I trying to be better? Also no. It was a <laughs> Some people, that this is their, <laughs> this is who they are. So let's look, at, let's look now back inside of the Talmud. I wrote some notes here. Let me share them with you. However far we get today, we will get. So I listed seven reasons for why, that I found for why Masechet Berachot begins with a discussion regarding Kiryat Shema, the reading of Shema Yisrael. The first book in the whole oral law, the whole Mishnah, the Talmud, this book is all about Berachot. Why? And if it's about Berachot, then why start with Shema Yisrael? Why is this so important? You would think the first book of the oral law, talk about Bereshit, talk about creation. Talk to me about Akadosh Baruch Hu. Talk to me about, uh, I don't know, the Bed Mikdash. Why are you talking about, what time do you start saying Shema in the evening? And so I found a number of reasons, and I'd like to share them with you one at a time. Narambam writes in his introduction to the Mishnayot something beautiful. Narambam says that when a doctor comes to heal his patient, the first thing the doctor has to analyze is how is my patient eating? Zeb, I don't know if you agree. Yeah? I mean, to analyze what is going into this person. What, is they, what are they consuming? You cannot heal a person who's constantly damaging themselves with food. Yeah, Ramam says, introduction to the Mishnayot. Ramam says the same thing when a person comes to eat food. Food is damaging when a person does not recite a blessing over it. Our Chachamim tell us that anyone who eats without reciting a blessing is like stealing. And a person who lives on spiritually contaminated food is not in a healthy place. And to our Chachamim, the first thing they wanted to do as spiritual doctors was to make sure that we're consuming food in a healthy fashion. The things that we're eating, that we recite Berachot over them. The reason for Berachot, we'll talk about it at a different time. But says the Rambam, if we're going to talk about Berachot, so which are the most important Berachot? Are the ones that we're obligated in twice a day. You don't have to eat apples or oranges, drink. You could fast all day if you want, aside from Shabbat. You could fast the whole week. So you're not obligated in Berkat Amazon only if you eat. You're not obligated in food only if you eat. But Shema Yisrael, you're obligated when? In the morning and in the evening. When you go to sleep, when you wake up. And when you're obligated to say Shema Yisrael, then obviously you're obligated to say the Berachot on the Shema. They're a blessing to say on the Shema. 
So because of that, Chachamim said, if we're going to discuss Berachot, we'll get to the food blessings. But first, let's talk about the blessings that revolve around the most important mitzvah, which we're obligated to say twice a day. And if we're anyways going to talk about the blessings on the Shema, we might as well begin to talk about the Shema itself, which is more important than the blessings. And from the Shema itself, we'll work into the blessings of the Shema. And from the blessings of the Shema, we'll end up in actually all the other Berachot that we're going to discuss throughout the Masechet, says the Rambam, that's his understanding of why the whole Shas begins with Berachot. Reason number one. Reason number two, I found in the writings of Benu Yishayah HaKaron, otherwise known as the Riyaz. The Riyaz is the maternal grandson of the Rid. Also, Rabbi Yoshua Detani, the same name, which is why we separate them. We call one Hazaken, the elder, or Harishon, the first one, and the second one Hacharon. It's also quoted in the Shetegi Borim. Shetegi Borim is an important work, written also, these two Chachamim were Italian, written also by an Italian Chacham who came later in history. His name was Rabbi Yoshua Boaz. Look them up. The Chachamim that I mentioned to you, make some time afterwards and look them up. He says, it says in Tehillim, Reshit Chokhma Yirat Adonai, chapter, uh, I believe, Kufi Aleph Yud, I wrote down here. Reshit Chokhma Yirat Adonai. The beginning of wisdom is the awareness of HaKadosh Baruch the awe of HaKadosh Baruch Rabbi Yudan Asi says, if I'm going to begin teaching wisdom, the place that I have to start, Reshit Chokhmah, before I start Reshit Chokhmah, wisdom, Yirat Adonai. We have to talk about Yirat Hashem. And so Yirbi Udan begins compiling the Mishnah with the laws of Kirashmah. The Kashma is all about Yichud Hashem, the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch and the acceptance of the yoke of HaKadosh Baruch And that's the reason, according to him, why Berachot starts with Shema, because this is all about, before you study wisdom, you have to have awareness of HaKadosh Baruch And awareness of HaKadosh Baruch comes through knowing the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch and accepting Him upon ourselves. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad We have to love HaKadosh Baruch This is the, the cornerstone of our faith. Maran and the Shulchan Aruch doesn't say anywhere that you have to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Whereas the Rambam starts the first Halakha uh, and the Mishneh Torah he tells us that we have to. Right, so he doesn't use the word believe. What does Ramam say? Do you remember? No. You have to know. Know is not believe. To know him. That's far beyond believing. So why doesn't Maran start that way? Maran's whole book is built on the premise that you believe in Akadosh Bachu. If you don't believe in Akadosh Bachu, you have no business studying this book. Maran also doesn't include the laws of the Ben Mikdash. Maran includes the things that are relevant to a person who believes in HaKadosh Baruch who's living currently in exile, and is observing the mitzvot uh, the way Maran prescribes them. By the way, I'm giving a shi'u this Wednesday, free advertisement, I'm putting in a, a plug over here. I'm giving a shi'u to the Safari Chabua in London on Wednesday, that's going to be 12.30 in the afternoon, San Diego time, 8.30 uh, in the evening uh, UK time. I would love to see you guys join. There's a Zoom link going around if you need it. Make sure to mail info at shiviti.org. Vazat Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Correct. And it has to be that way. I think most people delegate belief in a Some 
It's like some imagination we've never really figured out, so we kind of leave it there. Uh, but the Ramam requires a lot more from us than just that. The third is a Chacham, Rabbi Rafael Emanuel Chai Riki, spelled in Italian, R-I-C-C-H-I. He wrote a book called Honashir. It's also found in the Chida. The Chida has a book on Agadah. Who's the Chida? Rabbi? Rabbi? Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai, hence the name Chida. And the Chida writes in his book, Petach Enayim, that when a person becomes a Bar Mitzvah, the first Mitzvah that person is obligated in is When does a person become a Bar Mitzvah? Which, which day of their life? 13 and one day. 13 and one day. So what does that mean? That the first night of their 14th year, correct? So the first night, the first Mitzvah that he is ever obligated in is the Mitzvah of Kriyat Shema. So this is a logical place for Ribi Uda and Nasi to begin the Mishnah because that's really when a person becomes an adult. That's the first Mitzvah they're ever obligated in is the mitzvah of Shema Yisrael, Kirat Shema. You should know there's a shoot, Eretz Vi, a responsa over there, and he discusses that what happens if the bar mitzvah boy or bar mitzvah girl, they do bikur cholim or give uh, bread to poor people or something, that maybe that's their first mitzvah. He has different answers over there. But let's say on a technical level, the first mitzvah that is regular, that one is obligated in, is the mitzvah of Kirat Shema, and because of that, Rabbi Yudha Anasi begins the Mishnah with Kiryat Shema, with the reading of Shema Yisrael. What about the constant mitzvot? Very good. So the constant mitzvot are constant. Uh, perhaps you could say that, that this is the first active mitzvah that he's going to do. I'm not taking away from the six constant mitzvot, but it's the first active mitzvah. That has a set time. Set time. Uh, you can argue six mitzvot have a constant set time. Always, they have to be constant. Uh, but really, it's the first one where you have to do something actively. Say Shemaisa. Say the Berachot. Reason number four: Tiferet Israel. Tiferet Israel writes in the introduction to the Mishnayot. He quotes a, a Gemara and Masechet Kiddushin. You have the rabbis debating. What's more important? Limud Torah, the study of Torah? Or Maaseh, the execution of Torah? What's more important there? And the Chachamim are debating this matter until they reach the conclusion. If you want to look up Kiddushin, page Mem Amud Bet, so 40b. Talmud Gadol. She Talmud Mevi Lidei Maaseh. Learning is more important because through learning you come to action. But from action, you don't necessarily ever reach learning. How many observant Jews, they call themselves that, do you know that do a lot of things but don't know anything? But someone who studies Torah ultimately will come to do something. And because of this, our Chachamim prioritized study over doing. Not to choose one over the other, but priority. And so what does Limud Torah have to do with Kirat Shema? Anyone know? 
What does Limud Torah have to do with Kriyat Shema? Studying Torah have to do with saying the Shema? Because you accomplish both at the same time. Very good. Shema is passages from the Torah. Very good. There's a Gemara in Menachot. I'm sure that's what Pam's referring to. On page Tzaditet Amud Bet, 99b. The Gemara talks about the minimum amount of Torah study a person has to accomplish. So you know you have to study Torah, Vahagita Bo, Yomam, Valayla. You have to study Torah both day and night. Also, it says Vishiran Tavnevanecha, so learning the Torah Correct, okay. So, how do you accomplish Limu Torah in the morning and the night? How do you do it? What's the minimum, you have to, what's the minimum threshold? Say the Chachamim B'di Avad. If you recited the Shema in the morning and you recite the Shema in the evening, then you fulfilled the basic obligation of Limu Torah. And because Limud Torah is the foundation of Yadut, you cannot do mitzvot unless you know how to do mitzvot, suggests that Tiferet Yisrael, that this is the reason why Rabbi Yudha Nasi began the Mishnah with Kriya Shema. Because it's the first Limud Torah, the first study of Torah that a person does. I can't see what somebody wrote, let me just check. David had a question, so I told him you don't So, David, you're jumping ship over here because next week Shi'u is going to begin with the life of Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel is a, is a... No, no, it's very good. I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to hear we know who Rabban Gamliel is. Rabban Gamliel is, is not just from the family of David HaMedich. I mean, he's a Nasi. He's a prince of the Jewish people. But he's, this, this Rabban Gamliel that we quote in the Mishnah is not the elder Rabban Gamliel. It's the, the next Rabban Gamliel. We call him Rabban Gamliel Diyavne. Of, he founded the Rabbinic Academy in Yavne. And that's a huge deal for Amisa. And actually, it could be. It could be. It's not one of my reasons tonight, but this discussion surrounding Rabban Gamliel is very important. So make sure you're here next week because we're going to talk about him for sure. And I'm going to give extra credit to whoever can tell me what the connection is between Rabban Gamliel and the other rabbis mentioned in the Mishnah. At least one of them mentioned by name is Rabbi Yezah. If you could tell me who he was next week. Don't tell me now. Look it up and tell me next week. Reason number five that I wrote down. Siftech HaChamim. Siftech HaChamim suggests that Rabbi Nasi began the oral law in a similar way to how Moshe Rabbeinu began the written law, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu began the written law. Bereshit bara Elohim et HaShamayi v'et HaAretz sounds exactly like Correct? Nothing to do with each other. Bereshit is the creation of the world. Me'matai is from Eretz Shema. What do they have to do with each other? And he's going to explain himself. So hear him out. Don't shut him down yet. It's, yes, Rabbi Yosef. I was just interesting. I can see that there is kind of a parallel between 
those two parts are involved there, but other than that. Other than that, what's the connection? So let's let's see. Both of them are at the beginning. Both of them are at the beginning of something. Correct, but why beginning of this? We understand why Bereshit, but why Me'matai? So the Gemara Chulin, if you look up on Sadi Aleph Amud Bet, page 91b, look on the side, I'm going to, I wrote it down by hand, I didn't want to bring the Gemara with me. Chavivin Yisrael ifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu yoter mimalachai HaSharet. This is the Talmud. The Jewish people are more precious to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than the angels. Shisrael omerim shira bechol sha'a, because the Jewish people can praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can sing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, shira, whenever they feel like it. And the angels are only permitted to recite Shira at HaKadosh Baruch Hu once a day. Some say, Some say the angels are only allowed to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu once a week. Some say, Only once a month. Only once a year. Some say only once in a Shavua. What's the difference between every Shabbat and every Shavua? Tell me for those of you who know Hebrew. Very good. Rabbi Yosef, that's a hundred points for him. Shabbat is the way our Chachamim refer to every week. When Chachamim say Shavua, they mean seven. Seven year cycle. Every Shemitah year. Vamrina. Some say the angels are only allowed to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu once every 50 years in the Jubilee year. Some say that angels only praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu once in their existence. So that's, the Jewish people can praise HaKadosh whatever they want. I don't know if you think about the greatness of that. Whenever you feel like talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's listening. Think about your best friend when you call, how often they answer. I know that I'm a terrible best friend. Okay, so, you know, when I started down the rabbit hole of understanding this, this piece of Agarita also, I have to have all these conversations running Malachim and, and how long they exist for, and maybe once they sing, that's the end of their purpose. And then, you know, it's all kinds of, I, I just didn't want to run down the whole of the Malachim, but it's a good point. If you want to look up this Gemara and, and come back to us with why the difference is here, I'm, I welcome it very much, actually. The next difference the Gemara mentions. The Jewish people mention HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name after only two words. Shnemar, like it says in Devarim, chapter 6, verse 4. Shema Yisrael, Shema Yisrael, Adonai, that's number 3, Eloheinu Adonai Echad. We mention HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name after only two words. Umalachai Hasharet en maskirin et Hashem, el lachar gimel tevot. The Malachim only mention HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name after three words. Kedichtiv, like it says <clears throat> in Yeshaya chapter 6, verse 3, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzavot. They have to wait for three words to be able to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you look in the Gemara, the Gemara continues. More differences between angels and Am Yisrael, why we're more precious to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than angels. I didn't come to discuss that. I wrote seven lines over here. I figured you want to look up the rest of the Gemara, you can look it up in your own edition. It's a Gemara in Masechet Chulin, page 91b. So says the Sivdei Charmim, the Torah begins with the words, Bereshit, 
Bara Elohim. When does the Kadosh Baruch's name show up? Third. After two words, it's third name of Kadosh Baruch. Memetai korin Shema Baravin. From when do we recite Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad? Third. That Rabbi Yudai when he was speaking about Berachot and Mishnayot and what he could start with, he felt like starting with something that would mention HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name three words in, and that would be Shema Yisrael. And that's the reason why he began this Mishnah with because the first mitzvah of Shema Yisrael Adonai Adonai is precisely what makes us greater than the angels and it has two words until HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name like Bereshit Bara Elohim so to Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad I thought that was a very original answer Correct, correct. I have two more answers for tonight, and then I'll give you some things to prepare for next week's shiu. You know how many books and how many hours go into preparing a, a hour shiu? It's a, these things extracted from places but I'm happy, I see people writing, I see people noting, I'm blessing you, like the Ben Yishchai, that you should remember everything. Halavai on me that I remember all of this. Siftech HaChamim gives a second reason. Where else do we find the words Shema Yisrael in the Torah? Do you remember? Don't have to tell me that pasuk. just tell me what it is. Jacob and the sons. Shema Yisrael, okay, Rachel, you're jumping onto the Ben Yishchai now. That's next week's Ben Yishchai, that's good. But that's a midrash. That's a midrash. Tell me about a pasuk that uses the word Shema Yisrael. Right, but it doesn't use those exact words. We find in Devarim. Shema Yisrael. Listen, Israel. You are preparing yourself now. You're coming close to war against your enemies. Don't let your hearts be weak. What's that? That's what the Torah says. Don't be afraid. Don't. Don't be scared of them. Don't be intimidated. Shema Yisrael. Says the Gemara. What is Shema Yisrael? Why use those words? When you hear a Jewish person hear Shema Yisrael, it's supposed to invoke a memory of something, an idea of something. What's the connection between this and Shema Yisrael? Says the Gemara in Masechet Sotah, page 42b, Mem Bet Amud Aleph. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Ben Yochai, Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai. Amar lehen HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael. At this point, HaKadosh Baruch tells the Jewish people, Afilu lo kiyamtem el hakriyat Shema, Shacharit v'arvit. Even if the only mitzvah you have when you go to war is Shema Yisrael in the morning and at night, you will not fall into their hands. Says Shema Yisrael, listen, Am Yisrael, you're coming to war, meaning Am Yisrael, listen, that if you only have the mitzvah, nothing else you keep, but you say Shema Yisrael in the morning, you say Shema Yisrael in the evening, this will protect you when you go into war. You will not fall into enemy hands. This mitzvah is a protection for Am Yisrael. It keeps us safe from our enemies. 
you can use, later we'll have discussions whether you should use mitzvot to keep yourself safe or not. Not for right now. Siftah Chavim suggests that this is the reason why Rabbi Yudanasi began the whole Masechet as a blessing to Am Yisrael. They should be safe. They should be safe with the Mitzvah of Shema Yisrael. And perhaps one more piece here for you that I will read to you. Yalkut Shimoni. If you look in the Yalkut Shimoni in Parashat Chukat, In Remes Tafshin Nun Tet, the Midrash Yalkuchimoni says the following Moshe Rabenu, Moshe, our teacher, when he went up into heaven on high, speaking about Eliezer, who's Eliezer? Rabbi Eliezer from our Mishnah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is discussing the Torah of Rabbi Eliezer. V'yitpalel Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu at that moment prayed. Yiratzon may be your will HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shiyetze ze michalatzai. That this Eliezer that you're discussing may he be one of my descendants. ואמר לו הקדוש ברוך הוא, הקדוש ברוך הוא תעוד משה, חייך, I swear to you, שיצא זה מחלציך, that this Eliezer will come out of your family. ולכן נתכוון רבנו הקדוש, says the Tzlach, I love the Tzlach חידושים, in general, I have a deep appreciation for the Tzlach, רבי חזקי לנדאו, of Prague. רבנו הקדוש intended, רבי יהודה הנשיא, להתחיל תורה שבעל פה במשנת רבי אליעזר. The reason why Rabbi Yudha Anasi began with this Mishnah is because it's the Mishnah that begins with the teaching of Rabbi Eliezer. That came out of the lineage of Moshe Rabbeinu. Meaning he wanted to give Nachat to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, you began the written Torah, I'm going to make sure that the oral Torah begins with one of your children as well. And that's the reason why Rabbi Yudha Anasi began the Mishnah with the teaching of Rabbi Yezah. Now we show that Tznach has a fascinating discussion over there. Because if you remember the Mishnah says, From when do we read Shema at night? What's the next verse, the next sentence? From when the Kohanim enter to eat their Terumah. That's when three stars come out. And then it says, Until the end of the first watch, these are the words of Rabbi Yezah. Says the Tzlach, you should be very careful because there's a question among the commentaries where the period is. Is this whole sentence from Rabbi Yezah? Meaning, from when do we say Shema? From when the Kohanim come to eat until the end of the first watch. Or does everybody agree? All of the Chachamim said, no, we begin when the Kohanim enter to eat the Tehumah and only now it splits up into three opinions. Rabbi Yezah says, until the end of the first watch. Chachamim say, until... Chatzot, midnight. And Rabban Gamliel says, until the morning. If that's the case, then really this Mishnah doesn't begin with the teaching of Rabbi Eliezer at all. It begins with the teaching of Chachamim. 
and that's something that has to be discussed, says that slach, it really would depend on which commentaries you hold like. And if the commentaries you hold like say that all of the Chachamim said that Mishnah, he said that my nice theory that Rabbi Yudah and Nasi wanted to make Moshe Rabbeinu proud just went out of the window. Uh, but if you are like the other opinion, then most definitely uh, this would count for you for, for why Rabbi Yudah and Nasi began the Mishnah with that. Reminds me of a story. They say once there was a Rosh Hashiva in some Lithuanian rabbinic academy that he was discussing with his Talmidim, it was Erev Pesach that fell out on a Saturday night. And like we were studying here in Halakha, he wanted to discuss, how do you eat Sudash Lishit with what? You can't eat Matzah because it's the Eve of Pesach. You can't eat bread because it's after the time of burning Chametz. Fruits and fish, that's only according to some opinions of Halakha. So what should you do? One of us said, we should learn Torah. Should learn Torah because Torah counts like food. They're learning Torah, they're learning Torah, they're learning Torah, everyone's so excited. In the middle of the seder, right before the Afikoman, comes one of the students and he says, Rabbi, the, the, the Dvar Torah you gave earlier, there's another Mishnah though that contradicts what you said there. He says, shh, don't say it. He said, why? Because now, retroactively, we're going to lose our Sudash Lashit. If you were right, then my whole Dvar Torah went down the drain and it doesn't count for eating Sudash Lashit. This, this story, as comical as it may be, shows you how many different approaches go into Limud Agadah. Unlike Halakha, which has one reason, one approach, one understanding, there's one Talmud, there's one Rambam, there's one Shulchan Aruch, there's nothing else. In Limud Agadah, it's exactly the opposite. None of these commentaries tonight are wrong. They don't have to be right or wrong. These ideas exist simply to get, no, simply, these ideas exist in order to give you what to think about, what to believe in, what to incorporate into your life. All of a sudden we took a Mishnah that's all about what time you read Shema in the evening with the Kwanim, three stars, and there's a new life being pumped into this Mishnah. Rambam talks to you about health. Ben Ishchai is talking to you about all kinds of gematria allusions. Siftech Ramim is talking to you about family connections with Moshe Rabbeinu. Other Chachamim are telling you different reasons about mitzvot, about mitzvah. First mitzvot in your life, but the importance of knowing Hashem before observing the mitzvot. These are all messages, every single one of them, that we could stop and think about. This Mishnah is coming to tell us so much more than when do I say Shema in the evening. And this is what we've been preparing for for the last, I don't know how many weeks, 25 weeks of Shilin. We've talked about Agadah, talked about Agadah. So what are we going to learn Agadah? Now tonight you begin. And it shouldn't scare you. It scares me a little bit, but it shouldn't scare us. The road of Agadah is unpaved. It's a, it's a trail that sometimes is overgrown and you don't even know which direction to go. But we have each other. We have the Chachamim who we're learning from. And I'm certain that they will lead us only to positive places. Absolutely. Agadah is the key of, of those type of teachings. Let me give you some thoughts to think about for next week. Next week I want to jump into the Ben Ishchai. And if we have time, I want to get a little bit into the writings of Rav Kook. I want you to think about just a few. Read the Mishnah again. But this time, don't read the Mishnah literally. Try to think of the word Me'ematai. And how many other words our rabbis could have used for the word Me'ematai? And from when? Me'matai, Matai, Ematai. Why that word? What's special about this word, Be'ematai? Is there something special? To think of things like Tiruma, 
What does Tehumah mean to Am Yisrael? These opinions, are the rabbis really arguing about when you say Shema? Why are they arguing? What are they really getting at? Is there something deeper behind this three-way argument? Are they perhaps arguing about something much more esoteric than until what time you can mumble Shema Yisrael? What does it mean until the end of the first watch? Why not tell me at the time? Why use that word? Why do our rabbis stop things in the middle? Why are they always slicing things in half? What's with them? Why is Rabbi Gamliel pushing limits so much? Think about those ideas. To get ready for Arav Kuk, you have to be willing to accept that words that we use in the Mishnah, like evening, don't necessarily refer to a time of night, but perhaps a time in history. A period that Am Yisrael is going through that's dark versus a Kriyat Shema that's in the morning, a time of light. But before I get ahead of myself, I'm going to leave you off with those thoughts. Make sure that between now and next week you read this Mishnah one more time and Be'ezad Hashem think through those things. And God willing, I'll be back with you next week to discuss more about all the different ideas of Agadah that could be found inside of this Mishnah. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen. thank you so much. I'm here if anybody has any questions.